Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I am even more excited about our revival this week. On the way in this morning, Sharon and I were able to listen to preaching, and we were able to listen to Brother Jeremy Frazier. He's going to be the evangelist that's going to preach to us beginning this next Sunday, and it's going to go, you know, it seems like a lot Sunday, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, but it'll fly by. It really will. And those of you that have been experienced that before, you, you know that to be the case. And I was already excited about it, and then I listened to him preach this morning. To be honest with you, can I be honest with you? I hadn't ever heard him preach before. He said, well, how could you have somebody come in you've never heard preach before? Because he comes recommended by people that I trust. I trust their judgment very much. And what did I say? Yeah, but I also talked to some other people. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. (laughs) Um, By the way, do you see Addie with her glasses? I came in this morning. They were up there rehearsing. And that's the first time I'd seen her with her new glasses. And I said, Addie, I said, did you get glasses to be like pastor? And she says, no. (laughs) She says, to see better. I said, oh, okay. But anyway, uh, I... uh, I, I did listen to Brother Jeremy drive in. We got about a 20, 25-minute drive. And uh, I was impressed. I, I liked what I heard. I, I, liked, I liked, first of all, the sound of his voice. That's kind of odd, but I did. And I liked the, the tone of his message. And you can tell that he's a real Bible preacher. And that's what we need. We need the Bible. I mean, a funny story is okay. A sad story is okay. Some preachers, though, that's pretty much all they do. Or they rant a lot. You know, I, I want a guy that'll get in, because that's what's going to help me. That's what's going to help you. You know, f- funny stories just keep your attention so he can focus it on, on the Bible. But I was very impressed. In fact, I, I, you, you know you're listening to good preaching. When Sharon and I pulled up in the uh, parking lot here, he was just 20 minutes into the message, and, and I wanted to, wanted to continue. And Sharon did too. I said, oh, we, you know, we got to go into church. It's time for church. But I, I'm very encouraged about that. <clears throat> Revivals are important. You know, I, I would compare it to this. I've said this before. You, you watch these uh, TV programs where they're remodeling houses, and invariably when they do demolition, if, if it's an older house especially, they find problems that they didn't know were even there. And, you know, it's always an, an expense that they didn't know that they were going to have to pay and they have to deal with it. Well, Sharon and I, you know, did a major remodeling job on our house, you know, not, not too terribly long ago. And guess what? Our house, especially the front part of it, was a cabin. And when we got into the demolition, I mean, we, we found places where there was, no, there was no insulation in the wall. In fact, there was no, no siding on the outside. It was hidden. It was just cold air, you know, coming in. And I've told people and I've told you that you hate finding those problems, but you need to find those problems. You know, it would be a mistake. It would, it would cost you more in the long run if you didn't find those problems. So you don't like finding those problems, but you need to find those problems. And that's kind of like how revival works. 
You, you come to church and sometimes you think you're rocking along pretty good as a Christian. And then you hear preaching from an evangelist, and an evangelist, you know, that's a different voice. And the Lord can use that different voice, and that's one of the reasons he created that position of evangelist. It's important that there's, if there's any mildew or mold in our spiritual soul, it's important to find that and deal with it. It may be unpleasant to find it, but you need to find it, and you need to deal with it. So I want to preach to you this morning about revive us, Lord. And I want to, you know, till the ground for you in anticipation of what's going to take place next Sunday through Wednesday. I want us to look at Psalm chapter 85 and look at the entire, the entire passage. And it says this, and this is about revival, and we'll explain. Beginning in verse number one. To the chief musician, a psalm of the son, sons of Korah. And here's the prayer. Lord, that, and, and folks, as I read this passage, see if you understand how this passage relates to us and how it applies to us. See if you can figure that out on your own. Because it does, very much so. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Verse 3. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again? Wilt thou not revive us again? God's people needed reviving. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Verse 7, show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And then he says in the last verses, Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we can take this passage that applies to the nation of Israel. And Lord, I believe we can clearly see how it applies to us as individuals. The similarities, Lord, are real and are to be taken note of, Lord. May we appreciate, Lord, what we read in this passage. And may this, Lord, motivate us to be in great anticipation and have great enthusiasm, Lord, for the opportunity that's coming next week. Bless, dear Lord, this message this morning. And, Lord, if there's any person here that's not saved, Lord, I pray that even through this message this morning, their heart would be convicted and they would come to know you as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage that we just read is all about revival. 
I like what Billy Sunday said. He was a preacher, a kind of a firebrand preacher of yesteryear. And he said this, trying to run a church without revival can be done when you can run a gasoline engine on buttermilk. In other words, you can't run a gasoline engine on buttermilk and you can't have a church be the kind of church that it ought to be without revival. We don't know really the author of the background of this particular psalm. Most scholars believe that this was written after Israel was returned back to their homeland after captivity in Babylon. Israel had been in Babylon for 70 years as punishment from the Lord for their sins against him. But now they have been restored to their land, but their hearts, they had been restored to their land, but their hearts were not yet where, where they needed to be. This situation really, them as a nation, parallels us as individuals. We have been saved. We have been brought out of our captivity to sin. But often we are not where we need to be. You see, Israel had been punished for their sins. They had been in captivity. Now the Lord has released them. But even now, being released from their sins, they are still not where they need to be. And the psalmist pleads for a revival. As that is true of them as a nation, that's true of us as a church, as a congregation. That's true of us as individuals. This psalm really does give us a great outline of how revival occurs. And I want us to look at three things this morning. Revival involves three different things. First of all, number one, in this passage we learn that if you're going to have revival, if I'm going to have revival, if we're going to have revival as a church that we remember the past. And that's what this psalmist starts off doing. The psalmist remembers the past in verses 1 through 3. He looks back on where they had been and what the Lord had done for them. He first remembers their captivity. He remembers and he states the fact that they were exiled in Babylon. They were slaves in Babylon. He says in verse number 1, Thou, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. They were encouraged to remember their past, how they were held captive, but now they are set free. For you and I to experience revival, and we all need it, I can guarantee you that, it's important for us to remember our captivity. Remember? You say, well, I've never been a slave. Oh, yes. At one time before you were saved, you were a slave to sin. You were of your father, the devil, the Bible says. Oh, yes, you and I, all of us, before we were saved, were held captive to sin. And we were, we were living in sin. We were consumed by sin. There was a time when you didn't know Christ. There was a time that you did what you wanted to do and how you wanted to do it. And you were captive to your flesh, or you were captive to the world, or you were captive to Satan, but you were captive. And that's important to understand. That's what he tells them. He starts off saying, Lord, we remember where we were. But then he remembers their cleansing. Verse number 2. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. He's restating this. 
He is acknowledging the fact that they were held captive. And now he is acknowledging the fact that they have been cleansed. And it's important for us to remember that. And if you want to experience the the wonder and the beauty and the peace and the joy of revival in your heart and in your life, we too then need to remember that we were captive. We too need to remember that we were cleansed. How that God was the only one who could cleanse us and how gracious God was to cleanse us. You need to think back. We get too distracted. We get so involved in the, in the busyness of life and, and all that goes on in life. And, and life can be hard. Folks, just this past Friday, you know, I had gone home a little early on Friday afternoon. Jamie was still here, and I got a text from him. He said, Pastor, he said, right outside the church driveway on the highway here, he said, there's been a terrible, horrible accident. And he, he uh, sent me a picture of, of the accident, and there was a, like a tarp over, over the window of, of the, one of the vehicles, and I knew that was not good. And this past Friday, right out here. About two, between 2.30 and 3 in the afternoon, Jamie heard it in his office. You know, there was a head-on collision. And two people in the SUV were killed instantly. They're on the scene. That's why they had the tarp over the window. And uh, four people in the truck were uh, injured and were taken to area hospitals. Uh, what they think happened is, and what seems to have happened is, the, the SUV, uh, for whatever reason, veered over into the other oncoming traffic and hit the truck, you know, head on. And it was a, it was a, it was a terrible accident. And uh, we, we just need to pray for those folks. I, I, I learned the names of the two deceased, and I've shared them with people in this room who've been around here for a long time, and nobody yet. Uh, they said one of the, the, the gentlemen was from Luzerne, the lady, they weren't sure where they were from. The four people in the truck, they said, were, were from downstate. But, but my point in mentioning that, number one, is we need to pray for those folks. But number two, you know, again, life gets busy. And, th- and there's lots of things going on. And we're usually thinking about the future. But as we anticipate revival, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful and a, and a very important exercise to think back to when you were held captive And then to think about the cleansing that that God gave you from your sins. And you don't have to fret and worry about the fact that you might end up in hell someday because you're saved. And then in in verse number 3, he remembers their conversion. He remembers when God gave peace instead of punishment. He remembers when God turned his wrath away. Look in verse number 3. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. To experience revival, we need to remember our conversion. How that at one time, really, we were an enemy of God. When you're not saved, you know, you're an enemy of God. And now, we're a child of God. And in anticipation of revival, that's very valuable time to think back. Not to be so involved with all the stuff that's going on every day. Or your plans and your goals for the future. That's all well and good but to take time to think back to where you were and how wonderful it was when you got saved. And that's exactly what the psalmist is emphasizing there for Israel as a whole, and I think it applies to us as a church and as individuals. So he looks back, but then the psalmist, number two, reflects on the present. 
For revival to happen in your life, for you to find that mold that is there destroying you from within, spiritually speaking, you need to be honest about the present. While they had much to be grateful for as a nation, according to this psalm, there was still room for improvement. There were things where they needed to be revived. They were back in the land, but they weren't right with God. And some of us, we're saved, we're a Christian, we're in the church, but it's possible we be back in the church or be in the church and still not be right with God. In fact, not only is that possible, for most all of us, that's likely to be where you're supposed to be physically, but you're really not there spiritually. So you'll notice that as he thinks about the present, he notes that God had brought them out of captivity, but all was not well in their hearts. Look at verses 4 and 5. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? This is a confession of a need for these people to repent as God's people. And it speaks as the, the word us. He, he's speaking as their need for national repentance. But national repentance on their part required that each one of them individually repent, and then they would experience national repentance. You don't have natural repentance without first having individual repentance. And the problem is with revival, we get saved, we're excited about being saved, we get in church, and then life can get hard, it can get difficult. There are forces working against you to try to draw you away from the Lord. And the world will work against you. Flesh will work against you. Satan will work against you. And you need to think about your present condition. And you need to be honest about your present condition. You say, I I don't need revival. Well, (laughs) anybody that says that, I think that's a surefire indication you do. Okay, anybody in this room that says, I don't think I need revival, I would say that's the number one reason you need revival because to me that would be an indication, and I don't know, I'm not God, but that could be an indication. You're you're naive, number one, or you're just filled with pride. And you don't realize that you really have some issues. For example, you need revival when all is not well in our hearts. Are you faithful in church? Do you read your Bible daily? When was the last time you personally witnessed to someone? Do you tithe? How's your marriage going? How are your children doing? Do you watch things on TV or attend movies that you wouldn't want Jesus to be sitting next to you? Do you read books that are offensive to God? Do you visit websites that you don't want your spouse to know about and you sure don't want God to know about, although he does? Do you dress in ways that you'd be ashamed of the Lord catching you in that dress? Do you suffer from depression, anxiety, irrational fears? Do you have problems with your temper? Do you have issues with bitterness? Are you known to be kind of a busybody or a gossip? Have you been told that you have a problem with pride? Do you tend to stretch the truth or maybe sometimes out and out lie? 
Do you suffer from any kind of addiction, be it alcohol, tobacco, drugs? We could go on. We could spend the rest of this hour just listing things like that. And if the answer is yes to any of those, you need revival. You need revival. He was focusing on their present circumstances, their present lives. He is acknowledging that while things were better, they're, they're not in captivity anymore. Things in their lives needed to be corrected. You're not in captivity. You're not unsaved anymore. But there's still things to be corrected. He noted there that there is a need for revival. The psalmist pleads for revival. He understands that that revivals come from God. In verse number 6, he says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I like what he says here. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Whenever you drift away from the Lord, whenever you backslide, you lose something along the way. You lose a degree of peace. You you lose a degree of joy. You lose a degree of, of involvement and commitment in the things of God. And the answer is revival. And the good news is God loves to bring revival. God wants to bring revival. You may have drifted away from the Lord in one area or many areas. The good news this morning is you can be revived. You can be brought back. And we're not talking about a meeting based on emotionalism or, you know, some kind of strange occurrences or anything like that. People speaking in tongues. We're we're not talking about that. When real revival comes, there's an overpowering sense of God's presence holiness, commitment, where the mold that you find when you do the demolition, demolition, it's, it's dealt with. And you know that that which was rotting inside of you has been dealt with. Because when you drift away from the Lord, it's like drifting away from a spouse. That's not good. When you drift away from a child or your parent or or vice versa, that's not good. When you drift away from God, that for sure isn't good. So revival needs to focus on the past. You think back where you were. It focuses on the present. You realize where you are. And then he has a plan. This is where the rubber meets the road right here. Because either you are going to get on board or, for whatever reason, you're not. It's a wonderful opportunity. I've already preached about a different voice, a a, a different schedule, and a different purpose. That's reason enough to come. But understand, there is a plan. And either you are going to be on board or you're not. What's the plan? Having expressed the need for revival, the the psalmist states his plan. He tells us what he will do to seek the Lord. A, number one, to experience revival, we'll listen to God's word. He'll listen to the word of God, and he will live it out in his life. Here's his plan. We're down in verse number eight now. He's already asked for a revival. Here's what he's going to do. 
okay? And we've preached on that lately. It's not what you know so much as what you do. Here's what he's going to do. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. So his plan is to hear the word of God. He wants to hear God's voice. Guess what? Starting next Sunday morning, you're going to have the opportunity in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to hear God's voice through a man that has been called of God. Hey, he's got to be called of God. You know why? He lives in a trailer with five boys. (laughs) The only way you can do that is to be called of God. And God is going to send that man and his team to this church because he loves you and he wants you to hear the word of God. That was God's plan here in Psalm chapter 85. That is God's plan for next week. I promise you, because I've been at this long enough now, that Everything is going to be thrown in your way to keep you away. You can just count. You're going to be tireder than normal. You're going to have more on your plate than normal. But the Lord bless the man and woman who says no. Revivals are fairly rare occurrences. They serve a unique purpose. I need it. I'm going to be there. And then he says for revival to occur, you're going to listen to God's word. Number two, revival, he will commit to God's ways. God has a plan for living. Those who are wise fear the Lord, find his plan and live it out. Where does he say that? The next verse, verse number nine. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. That's implying that people that fear him are going to live according to his will, that glory may dwell in our house. If you want to have revival, you must first of all subject yourself to God's word. God's word is powerful. It's the only thing that's going to treat that sin mold that you found, you know, when you open up your your heart and you see it there. There's only one thing that will treat that, that that will deal with that, and that's the Word of God. But then secondly is obedience, to do what God tells you to do. Well, this is your church. I'm your pastor. God has impressed upon me in a variety of ways, and the circumstances have just worked them out. And the circumstances for this revival isn't entirely normal. It's kind of abnormal. I would like to believe supernatural, spiritual, that we're having this revival. And obedience on your part would simply be showing up. Showing up here not for some guilt motive. Or because, well, I'm a Sunday school teacher, pastor expects us to be here. I'm a deacon, I'm a trustee, pastor expects us to to be here. You know, you're you're off to a bad start to begin with. I want you to be here. But I want you to be here because you're mature enough to understand that evangelists God created for a reason. And when they come, it's only for a relatively brief period of time. And I need to take advantage of it. And then I need to obey. I need to be obedient. And you demonstrate obedience simply by being here those, those nights. And then to experience revival, he says, we will contemplate God's wonders. He pledges to meditate on the Lord and his wonderful works. Now, this is all in the context of what we read a few verses back. Wilt thou not revive us again? At the end of that passage, he concludes by saying this, Mercy 
and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us up in the way of his steps. In other words, when God revives us, things just get better. Things get better. Hey, our remodeled house is a whole lot better than our old house before it was remodeled. We had to worry about mold. We had to worry about water leaks in the side and whatever. Life is so much better since we have remodeled. I mean, the practical side of life. You know, we we've took care of the roof. We took care of so many different things. And, you know, it took some work. It took some time. It took some effort. But we're enjoying the blessings of it. The revival? You might have to drive straight here from work. You might get home later than, than, than what you should or what you, what you normally would. You know, but the, 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 the spiritual internal benefits of that is all worth it. You know, I, I've told others that we've talked to who have either built a house, building a house, remodeling a house. You know, I, I've told them, I said, you know, along the way it, it, it gets wearisome. I said, but when you're finally done, it's worth it. It, 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 you, You will enjoy it. Folks, reviving our heart with God, it it may, you, you, you may be weary that week, but it will be worth it. It is a rare opportunity to have an evangelist come in, but it is a worthy opportunity that I hope we will all take advantage of. And you will, if you think about your past, where you were, and how excited you were when you first got saved, and how involved you were when you first got saved. But maybe along the way, somebody in church hurt you. A pastor may have let you down. It may be simply that you succumb to temptations that are out there, and it's kind of put a chip on your shoulder, and, you know, you're kind of edgy because you know you're not living right and whatever. That can all be dealt with in a wonderful, wonderful way when the evangelist comes to town for the purpose of revival. I need it. I am looking forward to it. I would be sick to broken hearted if something were to happen, if, if I were to get sick and have to go in the hospital and miss a few nights, I, I, I can't imagine that. I mean, I get to come and be with you, no group of people I'd rather be with, and you know I mean that. And then to have a new evangelist, I just heard him for the first time this morning, and I am optimistic about it, excited about hearing him more. And there's nothing more important in my life than my spiritual well-being, because that's the foundation for everything else. You think about all the people that have drama in their lives. The foundation is cracking somewhere spiritually. Either they're not saved or they're backslidden. Okay. We're going to be dealing with the foundation. We're going to be dealing with finding out what's wrong. You hate to find it sometimes, but you need to find it. And I trust that you'll make it a priority. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. 
Thanks for listening. 